you know what? So I have finished the remodel that I've been working on for the last two months of the new, our new playroom and our new fitness room. And it's lovely. It's really great. So we have this awesome like fitness room now. Well, it's fitness. It's really like a, a, like a yoga meditation space where you can fit three or four yoga mats side by side in front of a 65 inch television and put on, you know, yoga with adrian or you know apple fitness well i don't have apple fitness plus something like <laughs> so cool. and it's and it's got the sound goes through a couple of home pod minis and we have this this nice. huge like 75 inch uh wide uh console table Ugh. that sits underneath it so the tv floats on the wall i ran all the cables inside the wall so it's really just like it's an incredibly clean mm. setup it sounds then, like the dream it yeah it is carrie like does yoga every single day i, I did one one lockdown yoga session <laughs> and and since then so it's been a year and a half i think now now that we've been in total lockdown on and off and there hasn't been a yoga class since so i'm like i can't self-describe as doing yoga anymore i don't think <laughs> i think like i i just i don't anymore so uh, it's going to be amusing going back carrie started doing pilates too and pilates has been around for a long long time and i don't know why but for a period in like the early 2000s, I'd hear Pilates and I would be like, oh, that's that's that that's that cute exercise that some people do now. Like watching her do Pilates, I'm like, oh, my God, I've never I was very wrong. Like the woman who teaches Pilates on the YouTube channel that Carrie watches is effectively one giant muscle. Like she is just this like rock hard individual and I watch her do things. I'm like, how is a how is a human being doing that to their body? It is the strength training that comes from a Pilates workout is kind of unbelievable. <laughs> it's really cool. See, I do a, a like a physio Pilates routine, so it's supposed to be kinder to your joints and stuff. But the reason I do it is because I need core strength because I have joint hypermobility, so I have really flexible limbs. And I need the strength and to build up that core muscle to hold you together, to hold me together, and yeah, keep me keep me going basically. Cause Otherwise, you're like that scene in Harry Potter where where his bones get turned to jelly and his hands just flop. Yeah, all basically, <laughs> just flailing about. But yeah, it, it's definitely good for the old core strength. Yeah, I I don't have any core strength anymore. <laughs> I don't. It's just it's a little bit beer and a little bit oh. bow <laughs> fried chicken bow. That's all that's in my core at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Random But Memorable, the podcast brought to you by 1Password. We're here to bring you lots of friendly security advice, a roundup of the latest security news, and some very special guests. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Shall we jump into some Watchtower Weekly? After the fitness uh, segment? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Let's do it. So this one by msn.com. First time we've uh, used them as a source. But are you affected by the biggest password leak in history? So more than 8 billion passwords in a 100 gigabyte text file. That's a leak which in the wrong hands could do considerable damage. So RockU2021 is what it's called. And here's the interesting thing. This is all hype. So to give you some idea of the scale of this, right, it's between 4 and 4.7 
billion people connected to the internet worldwide. And essentially, this is a 100 gigabyte text file and 82 billion passwords. And the way that they've got here is essentially they've got all the passwords from the previous, all the other cracks and, and, and that type of thing. But they've also got, you know, word lists and all of this stuff that might not actually be someone's password, but is still a word, right, that's probably been used. And times that by adding some some words onto the end of them and, and adding some numbers onto the end of them. And actually, these might not 100% be people's passwords, but more be a, a word list. And so when this first came across my desk, so to speak, we reached out to Troy and was like, you know, what, what do you make of this? Uh, Troy Hunt, who owns Have I Been Pwned? He made some very interesting uh, tweets, essentially to this nature of this is a bit of nonsense, really. It's it, it's a combined list, but it's not the same as the thing that happened a while ago, which was collection one, which was all literally combined breaches. This is basically a, a newsworthy headline, but not not much more. Some of the proper big websites have been posting about this like it is the same as that. So yeah, it's not a list of real word passwords. It is a list that could be passwords, but the majority <laughs> never have been passwords. Just a bunch of pet names, right? <laughs> it is. It, it is, um, among other things, it's every word in the Wikipedia database and yeah. all the words from the Project Gutenberg free ebook library. All of the news that this garnered, not worth it. I wonder if we see a 16 billion list where they've put a one on the end of each one of yeah. these words and a full stop yeah oh the, you, you can double it again oh. uh, just you know yeah. add a one on add a, add a full stop on the end and, and there we go so I, I think this is a bit of a um, bit of hype basically yeah so matt now that you have a car and you might actually listen to the radio have you heard the radio ad that's trying to raise awareness around creating a strong password it's quite strange really <laughs> yeah they start off by saying like don't use your mum's name or her date of birth as your password use three random words to describe your mum which <laughs> 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 i just thought was really strange that is very odd what what, what an interesting place to advertise to do it as well while someone's yeah. in the car, aka not using a computer. Yeah. I can't remember which organisation was backing it, but it was um, very strange whilst driving along, listening to them recommend three random words to describe your mum. <laughs> it was specifically my mum as well. That was the that was the interesting take on the advert. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very niche. This next one by Bleeping Computer is McDonald's has disclosed a data breach after theft of customer and employee information. So McDonald's has disclosed a data breach after hackers breached its systems and stole information belonging to customers and employees from the US, South Korea and Taiwan. As the largest food chain globally, McDonald's serves almost hundreds of millions of customers every day uh, in more than 39,000 locations across 100 countries. I think they're only beat by Subway these days. Uh, yeah, so wow. including roughly 14,000 restaurants in the US alone. So today the company said that the threat actors behind its breached systems in multiple markets that were discovered by an external security consultant. So first of all, it's, it's great that they're obviously, you know, constantly reaching out to external security consultants. McDonald's also told US employees that attackers could only steal business contact information, information belonging to US employees and franchises that wasn't personal or sensitive. So the, the threat actors also stole 
personal information, including names, email addresses, phone numbers, and addresses from customers in South Korea and Taiwan. So the number of customer documents exposed in the incident was small, and the breach did not impact customers' payment information. They, McDonald's said in a statement, while we were able to close off access quickly after identification, our investigation has determined that a small number of files were accessed, some of which contained personal data. They also said, the classic, uh, McDonald's understands the importance of effective security measures to protect information, which is why we've made substantial investments to implement multiple security tools as part of our in-depth cybersecurity defense. These tools allowed us to quickly identify and contain recent unauthorized activity on our network. So yeah, this is not the, the first time either that McDonald's have had to deal with a security incident. In 2017, the company was forced to fix a cross-site scripting vulnerability affecting its official website and exposing customers' plain text passwords. Yeah, Mackie D's aren't having a good time of it lately, are they? I mean, just last episode we were talking about how they were impacted by the JBS meat supply ransomware attack and now this. So oh, yeah. first they weren't getting their burgers and now they've had a data breach. So not going well for them. They're a company that is so big that I bet someone's full-time job is actually I bet a team of people's full-time job is working out if we don't get meat from these people for one day, where do we go? And like supply chain backup management, I bet, is a full-time full time thing. Mm. No one from McDonald's is running around while, while customers are, are trying to order, you know, going to, to the local Tesco's and buying some lettuce, right? Like, <laughs> right. They, I bet, nope. have all sorts of AI that predicts this stuff as well. Yeah. I imagine the, the information network that, that runs that company is probably pretty fascinating i mean just how quickly they build their franchises is ridiculous as well they're almost like pop-up shops i find that fascinating i think that many fast food places are franchisee owned so i could open a mcdonald's here in my town and i would own the restaurant but then i'd be licensing the mcdonald's brand basically and then they would give me Mm. things to outfit the store and probably give me brand guidelines to follow and everything else but like I would own it. That's your next project, Ruth. Oh, I don't <laughs> Building a McDonald's yoga room to uh, <laughs> yes. We'll just get both ends of the spectrum. You, you could change that room next into a into a McDonald's drive-through. You just serve them out every window. Is this the biggest side tangent that we have taken in Watchtower <laughs> Weekly? I mean, no, I don't. It's not, but I'm about to make it. So, oh, okay. Here we go. Third level deep. Here we go. You know, it'd be cool would be to see what the smallest McDonald's is that you could build, right? Like, could I could I basically open <laughs> a McDonald's franchise in my front yard with, like, a pop-up stand, right? Could I get, like, a McDonald's theme? Out of your shed. Oh, God, have a grill going, making, <laughs> making uh, the, the, oh, my God, what's the, what's the McDonald's hamburger? <laughs> the Whopper? Nope, that's <laughs> You can tell how long it's been since I've had fast food. Uh, the Big Mac. The big, thank you, of course, the Big Mac. Yeah, I could make some Big Macs and some uh, Double Doubles, Animal Style, I think, is the other one that they do. You have a very <laughs> limited menu. Yeah, I don't think they're going to sign on for that one. No. <laughs> no, but how um, how much fun would that be? Like, Tune in next week when we when, come back when, to Roo. <laughs> Roo operates at McDonald's outside of his shed. <laughs> very limited hours. It's, it's open yeah, yeah. for 5 to 6 p.m. every day. <laughs> uh, so this next one. How hackers used Slack to break into EA games. Uh, So Vice.com are reporting this. Uh, Hackers have stolen valuable information from major game publisher Electronic Arts, where some 
780 gigabyte of data was stolen. The firm is one of the largest game companies in the world, uh, developing series such as Battlefield, The Sims, and Titanfall. The group stole source code for FIFA 21 and related matchmaking tools, as well as the source code for the Frostbite game engine that powers games like Battlefield and other internal game development tools. In all, hackers claim that they have a total of 780 gigabytes of data and are advertising it for sale on various underground forums. EA have previously confirmed that the data impacted in the breach to Motherboard. So a representative for the hackers told Motherboard in an online chat that the process started by purchasing stolen cookies being sold on a platform for $10 and using those to gain access to a Slack channel that was used by EA. So the cookies can save login details of particular users and potentially let hackers log into services as that person. So in this case, the hackers were able to get into an EA Slack using the stolen cookie. So a representative said, once inside the chat, we messaged an IT support member and we explained that we lost our phone at a party last night. The hackers then requested a multi-factor authentication token from the EA IT support to gain access to EA's corporate network. The representative said that this was successful two times. Oh, so they fished them. Woof. So once inside the EA network, the hackers found a service for EA developers for compiling games. They successfully logged in and created a virtual machine, giving them more visibility into the network, and then accessed one more service and downloaded the game source code. EA Games said, we are investigating a recent incident of intrusion into our network where a limited amount of game source code and related tools were stolen. No player data was accessed and we have no reason to believe that there is any risk to player privacy. Following the incident, we already made security improvements and do not expect an impact on our games or our business. We are actively working with the law enforcement officials and other experts as part of this ongoing criminal investigation. I guess my question at the end of this is, do we think this is some sort of like elaborate... Espionage. Uh, yeah, corporate espionage. Corporate espionage. So do, do we think this is a, uh, an elaborate corporate espionage act, or do we think this is a, a chancer um, and a group that would just like, hey, here's some Slack cookies for 10 bucks. Let's see what we can do. I think it's probably that. I, I, I get that idea too, yeah. They wouldn't have talked about it so much. Right, like if this was corporate mm. espionage, they like the group responsible wouldn't have been like, "Hey, motherboard, let's chat." Right? That that that's very true. Yeah. Also, I'm more worried about the network that is selling Slack cookies for ten dollars to gain access to random Slacks. Yes, that's not great. I mean, I don't know. I class The Sims as in the top tier holy grail of all games, in my opinion. So it should be protected at all costs. <laughs> 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 Don't impact my Sims. Yeah. Yeah. This story highlights potential Slack issue more than an, than an EA issue for me. Should people just be able to swap cookies around and log into mm. Slack? I don't think so. That feels that feels wrong in many ways. It does. So uh, we have a couple of follow-up uh, to some articles that we were reporting on before. Uh, so the Register uh, reported on the ransomware the fact that they skewered meat production, wait, uh, and, and JBS has confessed to paying $11 million for its freedom. $350 million was paid out in crypto ransoms to hackers in 2020, which is quite incredible. I, I bet that's not yeah. even the extent of it. That is a, a hefty new arena of 
business for for hackers that is increasingly worrying. I think. And wasn't it four million the colonial pipeline only a few weeks ago as well? So yep. it's working. And this next one, uh, the latest Revil ransomware victim, Sol Orans, a nuclear weapons contract, a nuclear a U.S. nuclear weapons contractor. Just there's so many words in that sentence; they're awful. So according to a statement released by Saul Orens, the company was hit by a cybersecurity incident in May 2021. The investigation is ongoing, a company spokesperson confirmed, but we have recently determined that an unauthorized individual acquired certain documents from our system. Those documents are currently under review and are working with a third-party technological forensic firm to determine the scope of potential data that may have been involved. ESET, the UK cybersecurity expert Jake Moore... Friend of the show. uh, Yeah, friend of the show, uh, commented, Sharing proof of the stolen data is akin to sending a pinky in the mail of a kidnapped victim. I mean, it's a little less gruesome. Uh, He says uh, this extremely powerful group are renowned for getting what they want with impressive results. Oof. Yeah. Yes. Do not like any of it. No. I don't like that we're getting into nuclear weapons territory here. I, I don't even like talking about nuclear weapons, so there we go. Dropping by for a chat today is Dave Bittner. Dave probably needs no introduction, being that he is the host and producer of not one, but four cybersecurity podcasts, including Cyberwire, Hacking Humans, Caveat, and Recorded Future. Dave, it is a huge pleasure to have you on our show today. How are things in podcast land? Well, as you mentioned, they're busy, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I very much enjoy the work that I do, so it's a real pleasure, and I do appreciate you inviting me on. I'm happy to be here. Four shows is a lot. It's almost certainly a full-time gig to plan for and record and edit and publish all of those shows, right? Yeah, I think my actual count per week is 10 shows per week because our regular CyberWire daily podcast is every day, Monday through Friday. So that's five. I think I do Research Saturday, which is six. Hacking Humans is seven. Caveat is eight. Recorded Future is nine. Oh, and then every week I guest on a podcast called Grumpy Old Geeks. I do a segment on security there. So that's 10. So yes, it takes up a lot of time. It is my full-time job. But like I said, I, I enjoy it. So the days go by quickly. That's great. So you're very accustomed to chatting about the latest security news each week as it evolves. What news stories or trends have you seen lately that have caught your attention? Well, I, I think it's safe to say that the top thing on everybody's mind right now is ransomware. And it's funny because a couple years ago, I want to say back in 2018 or so, A lot of people thought that ransomware was fading away. We thought that crypto mining was going to be the thing that would take over for ransomware because a big part of that was because crypto mining is much more quiet than ransomware. You you could get on someone's machine. You could do your crypto mining while they were at home in in the middle of the night. Go unnoticed. You could fly under the radar. And ransomware was so noisy because you're interrupting someone's life, someone's work, someone's business. And of course, that didn't happen. Ransomware, the folks who do it got so much more focused and they started big game hunting and the payoffs got bigger and bigger. So ransomware really became front and center to the point where when we had President Biden meeting with President Putin, ransomware was at the top of their list of conversations. I saw some folks comment that they were talking about ransomware the way they used to talk about nuclear weapons, which is really something. Yeah. And we've seen lately 
supply chain ransomware attacks, which, you know, between the meat supplier and the colonial pipeline hack, like these have huge socioeconomic and economic consequences. And I know that you recently themed an episode around to pay or not to pay when it comes to ransom attacks. What's your take on that? Well, of course, the FBI says never pay the ransom. And <laughs> I was thinking recently that I think that's good advice, but I think it's it's kind of like, you know, those of us who grew up back in the 80s and 90s, you know, was, we were told don't do drugs, right? And that's good advice, but it lacks nuance. <laughs> and I think similarly, don't pay the ransom lacks nuance. There are situations where it is the most sensible thing to do to pay the ransom. Now, that said, I think as we get more data in as what happens when folks pay the ransom, I I saw something in the past week or so that I think 80% of companies who pay the ransom get hit a second time. So paying the ransom does not mean that you're going to be left alone. Everyone has to make the decision for their own particular situation. A big part of that is whether or not you have insurance. We've actually seen insurance companies who say, yes, you're going to pay the ransom because that is the easiest, quickest, and least expensive way for us to try to move on from this incident. So I think it's complicated. The downside, of course, is when you pay the ransom, you are supporting crime. You are paying for crime. And that's what keeps them going. If we could take the payment system out of the equation here, that might slow down the ransomware folks. Of course, there's been talk about how cryptocurrencies are a major enabler and amplifier for the folks who do this. So if we had more regulation on cryptocurrency, if the cryptocurrencies had to follow the same rules as the financial system has to follow with banks, knowing their customers and things like that, maybe things would be better. So that's a roundabout way, I suppose, of saying it depends. Ransomware attacks, particularly at this scale, are so are so devastating because it really can infect the entire infrastructure of the target. And even if you just sort of like weigh the cost benefit analysis of paying, you know, having it gone and, and have your systems back up and running versus trying to go and actually restore or rebuild systems or eliminate it on your own, which in some cases it's not even possible. Like it's it really is a difficult situation that these companies find themselves in because there isn't an easy way out. No, there isn't. And I think what we've seen is that many companies in their preparation against ransomware, even when they're in good faith trying to do all the right things, it's so hard to calculate how much time it takes to recover from something like this. Restoring systems, anyone who's ever had a system crash, even if you have backups, it takes time to restore from your backups and it is a pain. And that's downtime. That's money you're losing. That's And in the case of critical infrastructure, that could be catastrophic. You could be talking about loss of life, things like that. So I think there's this idea in a lot of people's heads where if you have backups, you're just going to be able to throw a switch and it's going to be like your, you know, your UPS, your uninterruptible power supply kicking in when the power goes out, that things will just be running and there'll be no interruption. And evidence shows that it really doesn't work that way. So that's a hard thing to compensate for. Not only that, but a lot of what we, you and I just talked about assumes that these companies are ready for it, that they're prepared for this type of thing to happen. And as we've seen 
time and time again, look at things like data breaches and stuff like that. Companies are just not prepared at all. These like even still these days, like they basically have to learn the hard lesson before they turn around and actually make changes to make amends in the future. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And someone made the point to me that when you're presenting your security plan to your board of directors, sometimes it's easier to get money after something bad has happened. Because when everything's working well and nothing's happening, you go to your board of directors and you say, here's all this money we're spending and nothing happened. Isn't this great? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Whereas if you are left with a wily coyote smoking hole in the ground (laughs) and you go to your board of directors and say, I need money to make sure that this never happens again. It is not hard for them to wrap their brain around that, right? It doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to figure out what that means. So sometimes it takes a bad event for the folks who are in charge of the purse strings to really get it. And I think that's a little upside down. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is. It's so easy to justify not spending that money when you're not feeling the pain, right? It's just like, well... It was fine yesterday. It'll probably be fine today. And I don't have to spend all this this money that I'm being told I should. Right. So going back to data leaks, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the normalization of data leaks, which was a theme of a recent caveat episode. Could you explain a little bit about your findings there? Well, because data leaks are in the news every day, there was a breach at so-and-so company and such-and-such company announced that this many uh, bits of PII were released and sold on the dark web this week. We've become a little numb to it. I think you combine that with this notion that people say, well, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Also, you have a lot of security folks saying, assume breach, right? Your attitude should be that you have been breached. So how do you protect your data, assuming that someone's going to take it? All of this leads to a sense of resignation, I think, sometimes that, well, they've already got it. My chances are all of my data is out there anyway, so why should I be concerned about it? And of course, that's not true. You should be concerned about it. Anything that you have, which is of value, someone is going to want to take. And that's another mistake that people make. They think that the things that they have do not have value. Why does anybody want my stuff? Why does anybody want my password? I don't do anything. All I, I, I spend some time on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But no, you you have banking information, you have a car, you may have a mortgage, you may have savings, You all these things someone wants to come after. So you have to stay vigilant. Yeah, it almost goes back to feeling that pain, right? It's easy for someone to have that stance of like, who cares about me? Who cares about me? Like, I, I don't have anything that people really, no one's coming after me. And it's like, right. yeah, may, maybe, but also they probably are. Whether you know it or not, like not not to be a fear monger, but, you know, like the possibility exists that could happen. Yeah, I think a way to think about this, I think adjacent to this line of thinking is when you hear people say, I have nothing to hide. Right. I, I don't mind if someone comes and, and looks at my stuff. I have nothing to hide. Well, that's sort of a, a fundamental value we have here in the U.S. that we don't want people coming in our homes and rooting around through our stuff, right? We have rules against law enforcement doing that. And so I I think similarly, when it comes to our privacy and our data, again, we need to be vigilant about that. Just because you may think that you're uninteresting doesn't mean that you are. And for the sake of everybody, we need to have locks on our front doors. We need to have locks on our cars. Anybody who wants to get in is still going to be able to get in your house or steal your car, but hopefully 
they're going to move on to the house down the street that's easier to break into or is a you know softer target, a lower hanging fruit. Indeed. So talking about privacy and privacy in the home, let's move on to Internet of Things. You recently tweeted, some days I wish my robot vacuum would make better life choices. Uh, (laughs) Right. When I saw this, all I could think of was one of those infamous dog poo incidences where you come home and find that your dog has left a mess and then your robot vacuum has made it worse. Um, Fortunately, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) That's that's great. I, 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 I have a robot vacuum cleaner. And actually, I'm on my second robot vacuum cleaner, and I have to say it's been impressive to me in the couple of years between getting my first one and my second one how much smarter the second one is than the first one was. It's much more sophisticated in its ability to navigate around the house, to get itself out of trouble, all those sorts of things. It does a better job than the original one did. That said, there are still times when it gets lost And we find ourselves wandering around saying, where's DJ Roomba? Where's DJ Roomba? (laughs) DJ Roomba got stuck somewhere. And there are a few places where it always gets stuck. It's another thing people don't tell you. When you get a robot vacuum cleaner, you go through this whole round of sort of childproofing your home because uh, you don't want your power cords sucked up by the robot vacuum cleaner. The other thing that I find very interesting about having a robot vacuum cleaner in particular is that I actually have empathy for it. When it gets stuck, I feel bad for it. Like I'll, I'll come in the room and I'll see it, it. There's a place in my kitchen where it jams itself underneath of the kitchen counters and it can't get out. And I'm like, oh, no, Roomba, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I go pull it out and I give it a little tap on the head. My kids, by the way, have put googly eyes on the front of the uh, robot vacuum cleaner, which I think probably contributes to the, the amount of empathy we have for it. Yeah, but, they've, they've uh, humanized it. Well, plus also you named it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, which, I mean, we named ours as well. Ours is called Ralphie. Yeah, um, see? <laughs> our pool vacuum is called Peter Parker. And the kids named him that because he climbs the walls of the pool. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's so good. It's a thing I never really realized that everybody was doing. Like, I just sort of like, like my wife and I named our vacuum. I was like, yeah, that's cute. But then you start to talk to other people and you learn their names of their vacuums too. It's really funny. Right. And as a friend of mine who had gotten one way before I did, I was asking about it and he said, the thing about robot vacuum cleaners is that they really don't save you time because you spend a lot of time just watching it vacuum. <laughs> right? So, yes. It's so compelling. Right? That was the first thing that happened with the pool vacuum. My wife was like 30 minutes later, she came out, she's like, hey, like, didn't you buy that so you don't have to stand there and do right, that? Right, right. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, You're dear, right. I did. You're right. Yes. <laughs> it's not quite the future I envisioned when I thought that I would have C-3PO in my house, but I still I still like it. I, I, I will say robot vacuum cleaner is a lifestyle upgrade. Highly recommended. Yeah, same. There are privacy implications as we add more IoT to our houses, our homes. What's your take on preserving privacy while still getting to enjoy the nerdy benefits of these these fun gadgets we get to live with? It's a tough balance, isn't it? I mean, we had the thing recently, was it Amazon is extending your home network out onto the sidewalk? Yes. And you have to opt out. The default position is that your network is being shared with the general public through this system. And I think that's wrong. I think you should have to opt into things like this. And I wonder how long that'll last. I wonder if people are going to bring cases against folks like Amazon. There's so much power in those EULAs, right? Those end user license agreements where 
it seems as so far they can just say they're going to do anything and and they do it and nobody reads the eula who who could no <laughs> right right yeah yeah so yes i think there are some serious privacy issues but i think a lot of that comes from people's ignorance of what's really is going on and i think that's innocent ignorance it's it's not intentional and so i think this is a case where perhaps regulations can help protect people's privacy. And of course, as, as you know, so far we don't have any federal privacy legislation. There are folks who think we should head that way. There are other folks who believe that we should continue to let that go on a state-by-state level. And a big part of that, too, is that it's hard to get anything done in Congress right now just because of the way they're not functioning. So I think some people think that there's a better chance of having meaningful privacy happen on a state-by-state basis to actually get something done. Yeah, it's one of those things that I go back and forth with a lot, just personally, of like, boy, I just it'd be nice if there was legislation that sort of forced companies to do the right thing. Also, I just kind of wish the companies would do the right thing and that I can continue to be the bright-eyed optimist that I'd prefer to be about much of this stuff. Right. Isn't that – to me, that's that's a little bit of a heartbreaking element of all of that is I think growing up, we had this optimistic attitude that this technology was going to make things better. And I remember hearing about how targeted advertising was going to be this great thing because – Advertising wouldn't waste our time. You would only see ads for things which interest you. And initially, that sounded like a good idea. But then it got creepy. Yeah. And ads started following you around and just didn't feel right. And and we seem to be in this place where these tech companies, they don't realize that just because they can doesn't mean that they should. So unfortunately, I think probably what that means is the only way we're going to get pushback on this is through regulations. Yeah. Uh, finally, Dave, where can people go to find out more about you or listen to the CyberWire podcast or any of your shows? Uh, well, I am on Twitter. It's at Bittner, B-I-T-T-N-E-R. And everything else you can find at thecyberwire.com. All of our podcasts are listed there. So do check it out. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So now is the time of the show. Three word password. It is this week really is the single worst way to share a password because there there is one of these that I just don't think you're going to get. <laughs> I, I am sorry. So we use cryptic clues to guess the three mystery words created by our memorable password generator. I did hit this twice to get this exact password. So every time we generate these, I have to click it a few times. And the more times I click it and take individual words, the easier as it, it is. So like... This time, I pressed it twice. You mean you didn't just use three random words to describe your mum? <laughs> I, I did not do that, no. <laughs> a word to describe my mother is not a colourless, flammable liquid. <laughs> so, here we go. Chemicals, Central Africa parklands, and some bridges. You're not hitting in any of my strong points here. Science, geography, and bridges. <laughs> just, those were the three subjects I took at school. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, this first one. A colourless flammable liquid which is a sweet odor and is highly volatile it is widely used to make plastics and rubber which are used to manufacture a variety of products such as insulation pipes automobile parts printing cartridges food containers and carpet backing it's a monomer but is most recognizable in its polymer form (laughs) any clues rue what are you thinking (sighs) 
Okay, so I'm thinking petroleum. And that would be my only guess as well. Uh, petroleum is not used. It, it, its polymer form is like a packing product. Does that help? Oh, hold on. Is it styrene then? Yes, it is styrene. Uh, so the polymer form is polystyrene. Ah. Polystyrene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So styrene is the monomer form. There we go. Yep. So this next one, a country along the Atlantic coast of Central Africa with significant areas of protected parkland, the forested coastal terrain of its famed Luango National Park shelters a diversity of wildlife from gorillas to hippos to whales. Their football team is nicknamed the Brazilians, but they have never qualified for FIFA. Uh, it has excellent recreational fishing and is considered one of the best places in the world to catch an Atlantic tarpon. <laughs> there we go. Any ideas? So this is an African country. My knowledge of African geography is incredibly limited. Okay. So here's, here's a clue. I've added clues to both of these this week. If you add an M into the word, it becomes a famous Michael's surname. Famous Michael's surname. Wow. I've put the, the famous Michael in in the chat. I mean, th- this this really is like the worst way to share a password this week. Oh, Michael Gambon. Is it Gambia? It's Gabon. Oh. Gabon. Oh, for- oh, dear. Okay. Great. <laughs> there we go. You know what? I'm going to go study African geography after this because that, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Because when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I can absolutely say it's Michael Gabon. And then I was like, no, it's not. It's Michael Gambon. Gabon and Gambon. Amazing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That was a tangential link in itself. Uh, So this third one, a specific type of bridge that consists of a series of arches, piers, and or columns supporting a long elevated railway or road typically connects two points of roughly equal elevation. The term is derived from the Latin for road and ducere, which means to lead. It's a 19th century derivation from an analogy with ancient Roman aqueducts. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, well, I wrote aqueduct before I finished listening to you read the clue, and then I saw that aqueduct was the last <laughs> word in the clue. Okay, I think I know this one, but it's only thanks again to Harry Potter. And I think the bridge in Harry Potter, where the Hogwarts Express goes over, has these arches. That is one of these bridges, yes. Yeah, and I know that that bridge is a viaduct. It, it is viaduct. So there Woo-hoo! we go. Styrene oh, Gabon Anna. viaduct. Thanks to Harry Potter, we got that one. Great job. Two two Harry Potter references today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the old uh, Michael Gabon. <laughs> Gabon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that is all we've got time for. I think it is. It was it was a great episode today. Loved it. Love you both. Love you both. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.